0: Well, if you got your Bible, we're in the book of James again, uh, still in chapter 1 today. It's our last week in chapter 1, but the book of James is chock full of stuff, and so uh, we're going to dive in today. Well, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to court. I I hope you haven't been to court unless you're a juror uh, or maybe if you're a lawyer, but uh, I hope you haven't had to go to court uh, because the goal of of every court case uh, is to present evidence. Uh, to present evidence for either, you know, uh, a plaintiff and a defendant or someone who has committed a crime. And and you're trying to determine, uh, is there enough evidence to prove uh, this case to, to be tried or to go or to happen or for whatever result the plaintiff wants? Well, James, the book of James is kind of like that. The book of James is filled with evidence of what you and I should be like, how we should live, uh, what we should look like, how our lives should be lived out in the public arena if we claim the name of Jesus. So, if we claim to be a Christian, a, a follower of Christ, then the book of James is giving evidence to the rest of the world, that this is what a Christian should look like, how they should live, what their faith in action means. And, and today uh, we're going to look at three pieces of evidence uh, of to look at ourselves. Are, are these pieces of evidence true in my life? When, when others look at me, when, when I think about my own faith, are these the things that I'm living out? So that when I uh, compare myself to the Word of God, that's the mirror that we looked at last week. That, so when I look in the mirror the, at the, the law of liberty, the, the Word of God, that I don't go out and demonstrate to others that I've forgotten what it said. And so that's what we're going to look at today, that, that we would be people who look intently upon the Word of God and, and live it out in three very specific ways Uh, that will end up being a theme for the rest of the book. And so if you've got your Bible open, James chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. This is pretty basic, pretty straightforward. The first thing, if you uh, want to have religion that is pure and good. And religion is not what you and I think about religion of like, okay, I'm a, I'm a Christian or I'm a Hindu or I'm Muslim. No, no. Religion, uh, Josephus, the, the great historian... Uh, He defined religion as your public act of worship. And so how are you publicly demonstrating the thing that you believe? So if you want that to be true, if you want your public act of worship to be true, there's a few things that you and I need to make sure are evident in our lives. The first thing is watch your mouth. He says it a little nicer than that, but that's our language. Be careful what you say. Watch what you say. Because he only uses this phrase. James is the only one in the New Testament to use this idea of religion being pure or worthy. Because if you can't control your tongue, your public worship, which is your offering, your public prayers, your attendance in a a group setting like this, it's a lie. It's a deceit, he says. And so when you and I, sorry to step on your toes so early in the sermon, but when you and I say things not honoring to others, not honoring to the people around us, not honoring to God, our worship is deceitful and worthless. No better than pagan worship. And none of us want to be associated with that. And so the first question you and I have to ask as we think about When I come to these moments of of public worship, uh, evidence of my faith, does my worship have value? Does my worship have value? Do I come to these moments of of gathering publicly with friends and family and, and fellow believers? Does it have value because I've paid attention to what I've said throughout the week? Am I bringing honor to the Lord because I've watched what I've said, and I've only said those things that are for the encouragement of others, for the building up of the body, Paul says in Ephesians. And probably all of us would say, oh, well, I'm I'm dead in the water here. I'm out. Because very few of us can go more than a few hours without saying something negative, something that may be hurtful. The good news for you and me is that James is writing to Christians who understand that we are not perfect yet. One day we will be when we're with him. But in the meantime, when, Jesus, when the Lord sees us, he sees Jesus, the one who paid the penalty of my sin. And so when he sees me, he sees me as he sees Jesus And so I don't have to get discouraged by that. No, rather I should be encouraged by that to become even more and more like my Savior Jesus. And so I want to be like him and say the right thing at the right time and not say the wrong thing at the right time. I want to watch what I say because I want my worship to have value. I want it to be honoring to the Lord. I want to bring a fragrant offering to him my life would be surrendered completely to him. John Maxwell, the the author and motivational speaker, said it this way. He said, great people talk about ideas. Average people talk about themselves. And small people talk about others. That's a great practical lesson for us. What's the subject of most of your conversations? James says, let's be careful. Let's guard our tongue. Let's bridle our tongue, he says. I I, I love to see these giant horses uh, because of Reed going to school in Indiana. Uh, we would usually fly into Louisville and that's the home of the Kentucky Derby. And so we went there one time and, and it's amazing to see these, these giant horses that are controlled with a small piece of metal. They can be controlled to, to run as fast as they can in a you know, circle without going crazy, without being distracted because of something that's harnessed their power and the control of their head. And so how that bridle goes is how that horse goes. And if you and I can bridle our mouths, we'll go to a place of value when it comes to worship. And so if you and I want clean and undefiled worship, we've got to conduct ourselves in a certain way. We've got to speak in a certain way to be disciplined, to honor others with our mouths. In addition to that idea of watching our mouths, he gives us two other very practical things. If you want worship that's pure and undefiled, he says, visit orphans and widows. We need to care for those who are in need. We got to care for those who are in need you want your worship to be pure? Do you want it to be pure? Then care for the people who are the least of these. Care for people who cannot help themselves. Care for those that cannot help you in return. That's what James is getting at. So often we have a you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back mentality. And orphans and widows are the two most vulnerable people, not just in the first century, but also in the 21st century. I'm so grateful our church does an amazing job. Uh, Our deacons uh, help care for our widows, and our widows care for each other. We have a widow's ministry led by widows who care for not just our church family, but also widows in our community. It's unbelievable. that we We're not perfect, but we do a wonderful job of that. But widows and orphans are the most vulnerable group of people, susceptible to oppression, to be taken advantage of. I just want to give you a few details because God in in the book of Psalms says that he is the protector. God is the protector of widows and orphans. And so if I want to be like my heavenly father, then I want to protect widows and orphans. I'm going to give you some data, just some real hard numbers, uh, about one of these groups, orphans. Uh, We partner with an organization called The Sanctuary, which is a foster care organization. We hosted an art day last fall uh, for them so that foster families could come and just have fun and enjoy uh, drawing and decorating and creating crafts and all kinds of stuff. But there are almost 5,000 orphans in Houston, and the surrounding counties, that's about seven counties uh, surrounding Houston. 390, particularly in Galveston County, that's of 2022, so just, you know, as of a few months ago, 390 children. In, in the first service, I said, if every church would take two kids, and some people didn't hear that exactly right, and they're like, is that even legal? Um, and so, no, don't take kids, okay? Don't take kids. Uh, but, but there are about 40 or 50 Baptist churches in Galveston County. There's about 400 churches, banks, and med spas in Friendswood. Um, and so if, that's, just, that's true. So we have churches, banks, and med spas here in town. But, but imagine if, if all the churches, not just the Baptist churches, in Galveston County would say, you know, we're going to commit to one or two foster children. I know for a fact there are over 500 Baptist churches uh, in Harris County and about 150 in Montgomery County, just because I know folks who are in that world. But think about every church. If every church would live this out and say, we're going to care for the least of these, those who cannot reciprocate our care, our love, our meeting their physical needs, we wouldn't have a foster care issue. And this is where God desires us to be if we want pure worship. To minister to those who are in need. I think about even the unborn in our culture. Those who are the most vulnerable. Who are we ministering to so that our worship may be pure? Just to look after them, to visit them, to care for them. That's what pure worship is. It's our response to God for what he's done for us. I want to respond to God in such a way because of his great love for me. Because of his great love for me, he sent his only son to die for me so that forever I would be redeemed. I would be made holy. I would be pure. I would be righteous. So why wouldn't I want to help and step into the life of somebody else To encourage them, to lift them up, to meet a need, to care for them. That's our response. That's our pure worship. James says if you want to have worship of value, if you want to live a life that is pure, care for those in need. Do you have a desire to care for others without expectation? Without expectation. That's hard to do. It's a challenge. Hey, can you come help me move this piece of furniture? Hey, can you commit five hours to this? Hey, can you? And if we don't make up an excuse on why we can't be there, we hope for at least a gift card. That's what we do. We, We think about that. And James is reminding us that If you and I want to have a right relationship with the Lord, then let's live a life of sacrifice around others. Because those are the two most important things, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love your neighbor as yourself. To love others. And so let's think of ourselves properly and serve each other. Invest in those who cannot help themselves. Because I want our worship to be pure. I want our lives to be a a light to those around us. And so watch your mouth, help those who are in need, and keep yourself pure. The word here that that James uses is spotless, without defect. I I love, just yesterday, uh, I took Brandy's car because it's been raining for two months uh, to JJ's uh, down here in Friendswood, and ran it through, and I, I love it. Um, at the very end, right before the drying section, there's a little sign, spot free rents. I wish it worked perfectly. I, I wish it did. It works pretty well, and even when I was growing up, my dad and I would go to like the hand car wash, like you know, there's two here on 2351, one there by Black Hawk and one down here by the elementary school. And it even has a little mode where you can turn it to spot free and, and it's, it's real light and airy. Like I, I wish it would work perfectly so we didn't have to dry the car at all, like it would just all roll off and it would be wonderful. It, it works pretty well. It's pretty good. Spot-free rinse. I don't want to have to use a towel. I don't want anything. I, I want it to kind of have the white glove treatment. You know what white glove treatment is when you, someone puts a white glove on and see if you've dusted well enough? My family loves when I do that. <laughs> That's actually my cleaning method. It's, it's not to test them. It's how I clean. Oh, yeah, perfect. I just made that clean. That's what we think about. And James speaks about these two items of caring for one another and for living a life that's that's pure and spotless without defect. To to keep ourselves from the pollution of the world. To model our lives after Christ. The only one who was perfect without blemish, blemish. Spotless. The spotless lamb who sacrificed for us. That we would keep our lives pure. The problem is, most of us are okay with a little spot here and there. Most of us are okay with a, with a little blemish, dipping our toe into the pollution of the world. And James says, "No, stay away from that. Stay unpolluted. Stay pure." I brought these shoes up here today as a demonstration. These belong to one of my boys. They all have big feet, so. These white sneakers, they look pretty white to you. They look very white. On the back, even a great little message, I am more than. That's a good message. Self-confidence. But the goal of these shoes is to stay exactly like this. That's the goal. The goal of these shoes is to stay like this. This one has a slight blemish over here thanks to the carpet in the car. The gas pedal. This one has a slight crease, which is oh, almost life-threatening. So, so much so that these are inside it to keep it from creasing. That, that's the lengths at which we will go to keep something unblemished, pure, white, beautiful, they are cool looking, but I wonder how often you and I, we just get okay with, oh, they're pretty good, and yet God has called us, hallelujah is right, <laughs> God has called us to be unblemished. I don't know if you've ever bought a new shirt, a new dress shirt, or a new blouse, and you've gone to eat Italian. Italian restaurant should just have a sign on the door, new clothes, go somewhere else. Because I like I'm the worst. I mean, I, I will notice the smallest pin dot of a blemish on my shirt, and I'll want to change. That gene has followed to at least one of our children. But but how concerned we get over a pair of shoes or a shirt or a blouse that we don't want blemished. And yet God calls us in such a great way to say let your life be exemplified by purity, by holiness. Don't get blemished by the world. And it's easy. It's easy. You don't have to go out of your house. You don't have to leave your room. You you, you can just pull this out of your pocket and swipe up and you got issues. Cuz we're bombarded by chaos and pollution and James is like, "Let's live differently. Let's demonstrate who we are by living a life of purity by being spot free." Practical holiness is the goal. Just like the goal here. So I want to keep these shoes as white as I possibly can. I want to keep them looking sharp and nice. I want my heart to be pure. I want my life to bring honor to the Lord. I don't want to do anything that would distract someone from the beauty of of Jesus, because I said something that I shouldn't have said, because I neglected to be a servant when the opportunity arose, and because my life has one foot in the world and one foot with Jesus. I don't want that to happen, and that's what James is calling his readers to. That's what God is calling us to, to practical holiness, to our public Worship, because the rest of the book of James is built on these ideas. We're gonna—it's gonna be same song, second verse—in a few weeks when we get to some of these ideas, because there's something about us just living out life that it's easy to get distracted, it's easy to be polluted, it's easy to get stains. And James is constant remind us of the very simple things: pay attention to what you say, help others. And stay away from the cliff of sin. Stay back here in the purity, and the security of who God is. That's what he calls us to be, very simply. And so my prayer for us is that we would be people who worship with purity. That we would live and bring value to the kingdom and to others. And so, how are you living today? Are you living out an authentic faith? Will you pray with me? As we bow this morning,